money, murder, and satanic rituals? The DuPont family has had more than its fair share of controversies in the two-plus centuries since E.I. DuPont started his gunpowder business. Book Darty, once again. I'm going to read a whole passage from his book to maybe pique your interest in the DuPont family. They aren't just known for polluting the environment or shooting people, although some of them get shot. <laughs> Alfred Victor DuPont switched off the light in room 422 of the Galt Hotel, pulled the door of the room closed behind him, and turned his key in the lock. He had never tired of the simple furnishings in his room of the faded rug on the floor or the misshapen cushions of his reading chair. He wondered to himself why he'd even started to build a large house in Louisville's best section. He would never leave room 422 of the Galt. It had been his home for nearly 40 years. The closest thing he had to a family were his brother Irene's five children on the Brandywine. Now they were all raising families of their own, except for Lewis, who had killed himself. He had no need for a mansion. Fred walked through the small lobby of the hotel, nodded to the desk clerk, and emerged into spring sunshine. He enjoyed walking the streets of Louisville on a spring morning when the air was clean and smelled of new flowers. This particular morning, however, might be a little less than pleasant. The people of Louisville, hurrying to their jobs or the market, stopped to wish Alfred Victor well. He was known everywhere for the many generous gifts he had given Louisville. Most recently, a sparkling new high school and public park, worth nearly half a million dollars in the very center of town. Many merchants had borrowed money from A.V. DuPont's bank, the first national of Louisville. Many more worked in his paper factory or his street railway system or his coal and iron firm. A few blocks from the Galt, Fred turned onto West York Street looking around carefully to make sure no one saw him. He knocked at a small house, watched the door open slightly, and slipped inside. The woman who had let him in began to argue. He had to face his responsibilities, she said, and provide for the child he had fathered. Fred was rich, the wealthiest man in Louisville. What would it take for him to properly support his own son? Fred had made up his mind he would not spend a single cent on the baby. His or not. How was he to know that Maggie Payne Madam of the most popular whorehouse in Louisville had indeed given birth to a child by him. What proof might she provide him? The argument exploded into a fight. The woman drew a gun, aimed at Fred, and shot. He fell to the carpet, dead. Later that day, a doctor signed a death certificate in Maggie Payne's house for James G. Johnson, age 76, and called an undertaker to remove the body to the train station for shipment to relatives in Bowling Green, Kentucky. But the hearse moved no further than the mansion Fred had built and given his brother Bitterman. Quietly, by night, Fred's body was taken to the Louisville train depot and placed aboard a car bound for Wilmington and the Brandywine. Alfred Victor would be buried in Sand Hole Woods. The following morning, the Louisville Courier-Journal reported that the city's leading citizen, A.V. DuPont, had died of a heart attack while he stood on the sidewalk outside the Galt Hotel. He was pronounced dead in his room. Louisville would mourn the demise of so generous and unselfish a man. Two days later, 
a Cincinnati newspaper broke the real story. Alfred I, on the Brandywine, telephoned his cousin Coleman in Louisville, demanding the truth. Collie told him that the editor of the Courier-Journal had been heavily in debt to Uncle Fred, and that he had paid off the debt with the cover-up of the old man's death. Somehow, a reporter from Cincinnati had discovered what really happened. Coleman said that there would be no escaping the story. Alfred said he would try to calm Eugene, but it would be difficult. The scandals of the last few years had made him less than tolerant of publicity. Collie promised to keep the Courier-Journal in line if it would help and make certain that the paper printed stories emphasizing the good Uncle Fred had done in his life. It was an excerpt from the DuPont's Portrait of a Dynasty by Mark Duke. I'll say right now, I don't know. I don't have any idea if Coleman had a telephone in the 1890s or if there was an exchange that could handle a Maryland to Kentucky phone call or if he used one of those local places people would go to to take phone calls, like in movies. Um, because the October before Fred was murdered was the first time telephone service was available between New York and Chicago. Louisville and Wilmington are a little closer, but having to set it up through, like, the mountainous regions of West Virginia, it might have been too much at the time, so we'll just say he did. <laughs> um, I'll go more into some of this later in another episode, but first we're going to have some episodes of uh, what all the DuPonts did here in Louisville, and um, this one was very short, but it was um, to sort of get you interested in li- hearing more about them. Join us next time as we go down into the burrow.